We checked the tape from the Dolphins' Week 12 victory over the New York Jets, and I have some observations on why I'm optimistic about Miami's offensive performance against what's considered to be one of the better defenses in the league. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, my FA. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, Tip of the Cap to our everydayers. Because it is your team every day. We don't just say it, we live it here on the Locked On Network. Today is Monday, November 27th, a victory Monday for the Miami Dolphins in more ways than one. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your jobs for free. Terms and conditions apply. And I want everybody to throw your hands up and shout, hey, 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 fly, Eagles, fly. Sunday afternoon at the link, the Bills fell to 6-6. Six and six. A little fired up about that. I don't know about you. That um, is something we will talk about a little later in the week is the AFC conference dynamics and what's ahead for the Dolphins. But uh, said victory Monday in more ways than one. Uh, anytime that team from Western New York drops a game, it's like a win. It feels good. So Dolphins beat the Jets by three touchdowns. Bills losing heart as is heartbreaking fashion as you could possibly imagine to move three games up in the loss column going into week 13. Okay, here we go. Strap up. It's going to be a really interesting December. But let's talk about week 12 and what the Dolphins' offensive performance in week 12 tells you about this Miami Dolphins football team and the forecast moving forward. We obviously have the Commanders in week 13 on the road, and then we are home for five, four of the last five games. Not a math guy. Don't hold it against me. But I think the first thing that stood out to me about the Dolphins' offensive performance against the Jets, and I have this written down as a note that I shared with some of the, the subtexters. You can find a link to join the subtext. We have a group chat. You could text directly with me. Uh, it's in the show description, whether you're on YouTube or listening wherever you find your podcast. Um, I think Miami's respect for the Jets' pass rush helped them with execution on the road this week. You saw less of the exotic motions and longer developing routes tied to the back end because they knew the ball needed to be out. Uh, there was a sack that Tua took on third down uh, as an example where Tyreek gets open out of the deep hook from jet motion, but Tua's back foot hit the ground and the ball was not out. So, yes, you want to use motion to create open spaces. You want to use motion to create releases and create leverage. But all of the exotic stuff that has really troubled Miami on the road, it felt like we we condensed everything a little bit, not from a formational structural standpoint, but just like, what do we have to worry about? Now, you still burn two timeouts with getting plays in late. Uh, I wonder how much one of those was Tyreek Hill getting on the field late uh, and being late to line up um, as, as he was kind of coming on and coming off the field. So I don't give too much criticism for one of those timeouts if that was indeed a complicating factor for the Dolphins getting everything set up and ready to go. 
But this offensive game plan, obviously, you, you you look at the PFF metrics and you see how little pressures were conceded by the Dolphins and their offensive line. And I get that. But at the same time, it was how you called the game that I think made the difference. Now, you had some touch passes. You had some perimeter screens. That was kind of stuff that was non, non-existent for the Dolphins down the stretch last year. And I think it really helped in this game to kind of just have things a little less complex and just say, okay, we're going to line up and play. And two is going to get the ball out in 2.1 seconds, seven seconds on average. And his average intended air yards, it was not the rarefied air of shortest time to throw and deepest yards per attempt. They did scale it down. They did dare the jets to tackle. And you had some opportunities like the first touchdown where Tyree kills lined up in the backfield and the jets are just playing match zone. And you end up, with a linebacker slash safety type trying to run with Tyreek Hill out of the, I think it was Jordan Whitehead, uh, tried to run with him out of the flat on a very basic route. And in instances where the Jets played this game defensively, I thought, pretty similar to uh, how Miami plays their game structurally. You kind of know what you're going to get. You understand what their zone rules are. And they're not going to give you a lot of change-ups off of that. The Jets played the vast majority of this game in nickel with a wide nine front, and it created a lot of space between the tackles. And the Dolphins came out, and they ran some power toss. They got downhill. You used some vertical run game. You created some really good movement on the right-hand side with Liam Eikenberg and Austin Jackson on whoever was lined up there. You got Ingold and Julian Hill, and then you're throwing guys at those guys on the edge to create seals and leverage. And um, you popped a couple big runs, and you were really close to popping a couple other big runs. Go back to the first play of the game. Lester Cotton forgets to block. Who was it? Oh, Quinn and Williams, only the best player on the team for the Jets. <laughs> but the rest of that stuff blocked up outside. It that that was going to be a big hitting run. And you just happen to have uh, an issue where you you didn't block the A-gap defender and he ran straight through and made a play because he's a super athletic big guy. I thought as that game went on, I did think Lester Cotton settled a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say he was an asset relative to the expectations of the Dolphins' offensive line. But when the Jets run this widely spaced front, it again allowed the athleticism of Connor Williams, the athleticism of Austin Jackson to really shine in space and get up on the second level. And it helped you. And I think you found some space there as a result, but because they had the spacing of the front, it also allowed you to run the ball downhill. So if teams want to get cute, and they want to you know send these, these speed rushers after you and the Jets have some really good pass rushers. I thought Jermaine Johnson had some really nice reps as a movable piece as a first round pick from 2022. And Bryce Huff, that dude's going to get the bag. Bryce Huff gave Austin Jackson as much work as anybody has all season long. And he's like their third pass rusher. (laughs) Crazy good player. He's really good. Um, So I thought that was really good work for Austin Jackson to get. Tested with speed, tested with speed to power, tested with inside moves. Huff got his, but because, again, the strategy of the Dolphins' offense getting the ball out, I think it protected them 
and it was a good self-awareness. Now, there were some elements of this game that I did not think were good self-awareness. I thought the two-minute possession at the end of the first half, both of the two-minute possessions at the end of the first half, was not good awareness for the script of the game. But I thought the general game plan, and we'll talk a little bit more about the haymakers that they hit down the field next, was good awareness of how you had to play a team like this with how their script to win a football game was. A lot of awareness of who this Jets team was for the vast majority of the game. And that's a win. That's a win. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the haymakers. We obviously had an over-the-top shot to Tyree Kill against DJ Reed. We had an over-the-top shot to Jalen Waddle against Sauce Gardner. Those are coming up next on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. So stick with us. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview in your talent pool, and that's why it's check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps, has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. This is not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows how... Small businesses are wearing so many hats, and it might not have the right time or resources to allocate to a robust hiring process. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just lost a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker than before. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. That is linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is sponsored by BetterHelp. The holiday season can be a lot and overwhelming for some people. And if you find yourself in that situation where, you know, there's some sadness or some anxiety about all the things you have to do or your family, whatever it may be, just know that adding something new can provide you with a positive balance in your life to counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot and amid all the stress and change, something to look forward to to help you feel grounded, to give you the tools you need to manage everything that's going on in your life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Dot com slash locked on. Let's talk about these vertical shots. Uh, they were the two big hits uh, in this game for Miami in the passing game. I, I loved what you brought in both of those plays from Tua Tungvaloa's standpoint. Uh, Tua takes his drop, and upon his back foot hitting the ground, uh, cuts, fades down the field. One to Tyree Kill on the opening opening possession. Opening possession. And the other one to Jalen Waddell against Sauce Gardner later in the game. When the Jets try to show you pressure looks, because they don't blitz a lot, they're so known for bringing four. And you got some sim pressures, but really at the end of the day, uh, the Jets really trusted their front four. But there were certain instances in this game where they wanted to man you up and match up. And you got Tyree Kill, and you got Jalen Waddell, and then respectively, in the slot with somebody who's another eligible player, but not a wide receiver outside of them eating a linebacker. So you have a very obvious man coverage tell. And you've got a high post safety in the middle of the field. 
And when you get that and you know, hey, they're they're compressing, they're going to try to play physical, there's a single high free safety, and you run a hitch on the outside or you run something quick and shallow on the outside that's going to hold that outside uh, defender down, and you're going to run a fade with an outside release, you've got all that grass for that speed player, that 4-2 wide receiver to run into. And you saw Jalen Waddle run right by Sauce Gardner, and you saw Tyreek Hill run right by DJ Reed. And on both of those plays, Tua is in rhythm, drop, back foot hits the ground, ball is out. You think about the play to Tyreek Hill against the Patriots in week two, where we try to take the deep the deep shot play and the ball kind of hangs up in the air and Christian Gonzalez gets the interception. And you contrast that to some of the other plays that Miami has had success with this season and it's when Tua is on time and can get the ball up and down with anticipation, even on a vertical throw. Your vertical throws don't have to be 55 yards downfield. Now, sometimes those big posts require you to lay it out there and let your guy run underneath of it. This is not that. This is quick game footwork. I've got all the space. I know it's main coverage. I know I've got everything on the outside to lay it out to. I know he's going to give me space. And if he could stack that corner vertically, it, it's just drop it in the bucket. And that's what he did twice. He did it to Tyreek Hill where you were an ankle tackle away from a touchdown. And he did it to, to Jalen Waddle, where if you were going to be nitpicky, if he puts it out in front of him, probably an extra yard, maybe Jalen Waddle can run away from Sauce Garner. Now, at the end of the day, they were both dots. They were both dimes. They were both perfectly timed, perfectly placed throws that allowed you to hit shots down the field and loosen the Jets up. And if teams want to play bully ball with the Dolphins receivers, when they spread it out, you, you can go empty and do this. And that's the big thing. Again, if you're going to go empty protection and go five-man protection, you're going to spread the field. You're going to make the, the, the zone man tells very obvious by putting a tight end or a wide receiver outside or a tight end or a running back outside of Hill or Waddle in the slot. And you're going to force that defense to declare who's walked out there. Is it a corner? Okay. Now, you know, you got Tyreek Hill matched up on linebacker. Good. Is it a, is it a linebacker that's outside on the running back of the tight end? Because if it is, then you still know you have man coverage, but now you know, they're playing matchups and you can pick a side and take your best shot with your best matchup. They hit one to each on either side of the field. Doing that and having to, a uh, Throw it with the timing that he did allows you to have an extra fold encounter for teams that want to lock you up and play man or when you want to play man. And as long as two is on time, as long as he doesn't double clutch or he doesn't double hitch, if it's back foot in the ground, cut it loose, lay it out there. Those are very difficult to defend and you're getting them. You're still getting them up and down within 30 yards but it's with the proper trajectory and the top proper timing. And because you have these elite speed players, as long as they're winning at the line of scrimmage against press, and because it's a fade, you have all that space to run out into, you should be able to stay on time. They did twice. I thought Sauce Gardner kind of had his hands full with these receivers. Obviously, everybody remembers after the, uh, the week five game last year when Hill and Waddle had no production because Skylar Thompson gets his first 
essentially entire game of playing. Teddy Bridgewater goes out in the first possession with a concussion and, and Jets fans had a lot to say about the lockdown of DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner. Well, guess what, guys? A little different when Uno's back there. They carve you up like a Thanksgiving turkey. 100 yards for each. That kind of balance plus the running game effectiveness that you had. Again, I, I just think that's a much more sustainable model of being able to perform at a high level. And, and case in point... The Dolphins scored 34 points in this game. Now, the Dolphins had a defensive touchdown from Javon Holland that was as improbable of a play as you will find all season long, and I get that. But nevertheless, even if you just look at 27 points, 27 points is still, what, the second most? Did the Bills? The Bills tagged you for 32 offensively. Uh, the Chargers hit you for 27, but they had a punt return touchdown from Darius Davis, so the offense only scored 20. They looked like a disaster last night, by the way, the Chargers did. The Cowboys scored 30 on you, but that came courtesy of a billion field goals. So the Cowboys technically put 30 on you. So that's the third highest output off of offensive points scored against the Jets this season. You have 400 yards of offense. We kind of went through it yesterday as far as yesterday on Friday, as far as just the magnitude of Jets really don't give up that much yardage. They don't give up that much points. They don't give up that much rushing yardage. It was very uh, strong performance for the Dolphins against that defense. And maybe the Jets kind of pulled, the, pulled their foot off the gas here and are getting a little sick and tired of getting their teeth kicked in. I'd imagine I would. I'd imagine I wouldn't let it affect my play, but I get sick and tired of it. And the Jets probably are. But for the Dolphins to, again, you play with two backup guards against Quinn Williams and one of the better defensive fronts in all football. And how you approach the game from a game plan perspective, how you approach the game from a passing game perspective, how you baked in a couple shots to just keep it loose down the stretch, the way that you found the vertical run game to go with, like it, it all just kind of, was more balanced. And I just think you got a little greedy at the end of the first half. And if you didn't no, you know, maybe you only score 27 points because you don't get the pick six from Javon Holland and you just run out the clock at the end of the first half and you go into halftime and you're up 10 points, 10, nothing. Regardless, Miami does this kind of stuff moving forward. It's going to be really helpful. I have one other primary big thought from the film. And we're going to talk about it next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. So stick with us. Whenever you're watching NFL football or college football, whatever it may be, it's always a little bit more fun when you got a little something on the line. And prize picks can help you make sure you are as engaged as you possibly can be for every football watching experience you have for the rest of the season. Prize picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, with the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because you, against the numbers, is not you against thousands of other players, including pros and sharps. You pick more or less on two to six player stat projections, and you can watch your winnings roll in. If you successfully get six in your prize pick selection with more or less on their stat projection, you can win 25 times your money. So if you like good return on investment, 
Price Picks has opportunities for you to pick big and win big. They have a boatload of selections across just about every sport that you could possibly imagine with a slew of stat projections that you can pick from and string together. And they also offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections an additional 25% to provide even more value. You can get a, get your selections with a few taps on your phone. And they also have Apple Pay to make sure that you are constantly staying in the game with quick deposits and you can constantly be involved. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for first deposit match of up to $100. That is prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for first deposit match of up to $100. But before we go anywhere else, let's keep talking games, right? Everybody likes playing fantasy football. There's always that one guy or girl in your league that you just can't stand, drives you nuts. He's the guy that you have to beat no matter what because he's always talking about how good his trades are and his team is, brings up analytics and how the research that he did and the wins don't come regardless, but that doesn't stop him from talking. You know that guy or girl, but I'll call him Drew, okay? Every league has a Drew, and you know what else Drew does? Drew brings weak tortilla chips to the tailgate, the kind that snap right in half when you're scooping guacamole, trying to get that last scoop of sauce out of the bottom of the bowl. For someone who claims to be a master of trades, he still hasn't made the trade for a better tortilla chip, which is a shame. Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips offers you two things. Chips that are sturdy, and Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips also believes that Drew sucks. Their chips are cut from whole tortillas the authentic way, giving them the strength to lift the heftier tips and are fried to a corny, crisp, suitable uh, finish for any dip at any tailgate. This football season, don't be a Drew. Choose Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips available at Publix locations in the deli section. Be a winner and eat Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips. My last thought about the offensive tape against the Jets. You get a pretty sizable sampling of Keon Smith, the offensive tackle. Keon Smith was kind of a surprise performer throughout training camp. And he looked pretty good against the Jets. So, like, you currently have this situation where Teron Armstead goes down and Teron Armstead does not look like himself, or at least the standard of Teron Armstead versus what we've we've come to know Teron Armstead across a decade in the league. But he was gutting through it. He comes off the field. He doesn't get any treatment. Mike McDaniel says he's week to week during his post-game press conference. So, like, who knows what's going on there? You had Kendall Lamb, who was dealing with a back injury. He was listed as questionable. He ultimately ends up dressing. Uh, he was not the team's first selection to go in at left tackle because of that back injury. They put Keon Smith in. And then Austin Jackson gets ejected because C.J. Mosley, who feels the need to go on social media after the game and keep yapping at, at Blake Ferguson because he ran over to Blake Ferguson and grabbed his helmet and was yanking him around by his face mask. And, and C.J. wants to say something oh, like, OK, enjoy third or fourth place. Um, Austin gets ejected. So then they take Keon Smith and put him at right tackle and they bring Kendall Lamb in and he plays left tackle. Ken, I, I know Kendall can play both spots. Keon can presumably play both spots. I thought Keon Smith's tape, and granted the game script was what it was. You were up multiple touchdowns at this stage of the game. His tape looked good. He moves really well. I, I will say this. Uh, Teron Armstead is exponentially a better football player than Keon Smith is at this stage, even as Teron Armstead is getting towards his last legs as a player. 
but Keon Smith moves exponentially better than Teron Armstead does. I watched Keon Smith tailpipe Lester Cotton out of the blocks on, I lost count of the number of runs. The athleticism and the length flashes big time. And he was always a developmental guy. He was a little physically underdeveloped last year. He sticks around all season. He has a hell of a preseason. And then he gets some game reps. And he plays good against the Jets starters. So I don't know like what the ceiling is for Keon Smith, but I'm looking at him and I'm watching him move and I'm saying, man, they, they, they got something here. And that's a really exciting development for Miami is, is they, they're going to have to find gems like that to develop. And they're going to have to find guys like that, that uh, they can continue to cultivate and, and collect so that you have cheap, reliable depth that has the physical upside to play well within the system. And I think that's what you see with Keon Smith. So that's a developer. You saw probably the last 20 minutes of the football game, he played somewhere on the offensive line, either offensive tackle spot. I thought his left tackle tape was better than his right tackle tape, but the athleticism just explodes off the screen. Another good hit for the Dolphins as far as the depth of their offensive line. Now you'd see what it would, you'd have to see what it would look like if he had to prep and on have a whole week and get put in the starting lineup, if he had to play with anything that was going on, uh, don't envision that happens this week. Austin Jackson will be back. Of course you have Kendall lamb uh, who's stepping in for Toronto Armstead. Toronto Armstead is week to week. That might be a one week absence. It might be a three week out. Like who knows? As far as I'm concerned, if, if you need Kendall lamb to be your starting left tackle through the next three games to, through the Nets jets game, I, I like Miami's chances. And then you got Dallas and you got Baltimore and you got Buffalo you'll want to run healthy for those as best as you can. So Keon Smith, a pleasant surprise with his unexpected cameo for the Dolphins in this game and another storyline to watch along this offensive line. I'm Kyle Krabs. It's going to do it for us on this episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day. I appreciate you guys for checking out the show. We got another one coming today. We talk defensive side of the ball, specifically Jalen Phillips and his reps. That is coming later. So make sure you hit subscribe and follow along on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm out of here. Fins up.